Ninth chapter of the book of Mark is our text today. Now, are you surprised that when this boy came, was brought to Jesus, and that spirit responded to Jesus violently and sent that boy crashing to the ground, foaming at the mouth and gashing, gushing out blood out of his mouth as he gnawed on his tongue? Are you a little bit surprised that Jesus didn't respond to the boy's need immediately? You'd think that Jesus would immediately respond in action to help that child. He didn't. He started a conversation with the boy's father. And he asked questions that seemed so needless. He said, how long has this been going on? If I'm that father, I would have said, now, we can get to those questions later on. Can we answer that later? Is that, not necess- is that necessary? And, 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 and I have a feeling that most of us would have expected Jesus to have responded immediately. But he didn't. He asked this dumb question. How long has this been going on? You know why he asked that question? Because he wanted everybody in that crowd, he saw that crowd gathering, he wanted everybody in that crowd to know that this situation was hopeless. He wanted everybody to know this boy had been like this forever. This is a hopeless situation. I tell you, are you hearing that the story of the people of God is a story of one hopeless situation after another? And they came marching out of Egypt, surrounded now by the Red Sea and the armies of Egypt. Hopeless situation. And they walked around the walls of Jericho, this big city, without an instrument of war in their hands. Hopeless situation. And they faced a furnace heated seven times hot, so hot that the people who got close to it were burned alive. Hopeless situation. And you check it out, there's never been a man of God who has been abandoned to God who has ever walked away from a hopeless situation without ultimate triumph. Got any rivers you think are uncrossable? Got any mountains you can't tunnel through? God specializes in things thought impossible and does something nobody else can do. Hopeless situation. Not only is it a hopeless situation, power over a hopeless situation. It's authoritative power over the host of hell. Now the problem when you get to talking about the spirit world is this. We, are, we go to extremes. There are some people who don't even believe in a devil. They don't even believe in the demonic world. They don't even believe in demons or spirits. That's one extreme. On the other hand, to some people, the devil is everything. Demons are everything. I heard a guy say one time that he couldn't get his key in the lock and there was a demon in there pushing it out. That's weird. That's weird. <laughs> and, and I know a preacher that, uh, that uh, they brought this saintly lady, I mean the saintiest lady in the church to him. She had a little problem, you know, a little loneliness. He identified seven demons in her and tried to cast them out. That's, 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 that's going to the extreme. And it's hard to find a balance. And because it's hard to find a balance, sometimes I forget that this is a spiritual warfare we're engaged in. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against angels and powers and principles of the darkness of this world. And it's hard for us to understand that that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but beneath what we see on the surface, there's a war going on in the spiritual realm. 
And you turn to the fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians and he talks about being armed with the armor of God. And then he says, in essence, you need to show up at the right battlefield. And that battle that engaged, we're engaged in in this world is not a physical battle theater. It's a spiritual one. And the battle is won or lost in prayer. And so he says in Ephesians, Pray for me and pray in all things after you've armed yourself with this. Because the real struggle that goes on is the fact that people have, have the influence of a demonic world upon their life. And so when Simon Peter told Jesus, you're not going to go to the cross and die, Jesus turned to Simon and said, get behind me, Satan, for you savor us not the things of, you don't understand the things of God. You're speaking with the language of the demon world. And Jesus didn't spend a lot of time arguing about the theology of redemption. He understood that beneath this surface was the real issue, that there is a real spiritual battle with spiritual beings. That's what this text is about. But I'm here to tell you, he that is within us is greater than he that is within the world. I was preaching, and I was, well, I'm preaching too, but I was teaching my Sunday school class a couple of weeks ago. And we were in that marvelous chapter in the sixth chapter. Did you read that, Scott? That sixth chapter of 2 Kings. And, and old Elisha was in his house, and the armies of Syria surrounded him. And his servant looked out and said, Holy cow. <laughs> Look at that. There's armies out there. And Elisha said, don't be afraid for the number that's with us is greater than the number that's with them. And a man spoke up in our class and said, I woke up this morning at 3 o'clock and some voice said to me, today you're going to die. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm not going to die. And the voice came again, today you're going to die. He said, no, I'm going to church. He said, no, you're not. You're going to die. And he said, I went to prayer. And I said, Lord, if it's your voice, I'm ready to die. But I don't think it is. I want you to deliver me from this fear. And the fear went away, he said. I went back to sleep. Now, you, you can imagine what went on in that class. Tears in every eye. Let me, hear, let me tell you something. The power that's available to the people of God is greater than the host of hell itself. All right? There's a second thing about this power. It's a power that is authoritative, but it's also available. Now, somehow I, I, I felt a little uh, tension there when I read this and Jesus responded to these disciples like this, you faithless generation, you unbelieving generation. How am I going to have to put up with you? You ever, that sound like anybody you know? How long am I going to have to put up with you? Because Jesus was never impatient, but there is righteous indignation in our Lord because there was power, a, the potential of power unused. Now, if you need to hear me well this morning, it didn't have to be like this. This boy didn't have to go on like this. These disciples could have done something about it, about it but didn't. It didn't have to be like that. And always it seems to me that Jesus pronounces judgment upon power that's available unused. 
potential that's available but unused. For you see, the Lord judges us not just on the basis of what we do, but He judges us on the basis of what we could do but don't. And so He came and He talked to that boy, that man who had the one talent, and He buried it in the ground, and Jesus pronounced judgment on him, called him wicked because not because he misused his talent, not because he abused his talent, just because he didn't use it. And I take that to mean, my friend, that if God has given you a gift and God has given you an ability and God has given you potential and you don't use it, you're going to face judgment for it. You're going to have it, it's, you're going to lose it. And somehow I believe that what God is trying to tell us is this, that if you don't use what you have been given, He'll take it and give it to somebody else. That ought to be a warning to this church. And so He came along and He saw that tree. It didn't have any fruit on it. He cursed it. And He said, come cut it down. It's just taking up space. I don't understand all that's involved in what Jesus meant when He said, if this branch doesn't bear fruit, I'll prune it away. I don't understand all that's involved in that. But I understand enough to know this, that if God has given us potential available power and we're not using it, He'll take it away from us. He'll take it away from us. He's a Savior, but He's not a Savior. You're one of those savers? Can't throw anything away. The lady of my church, true story, down in Seminole, Texas. I bet you know her, Glenn's. Couldn't throw away a newspaper. Stacked up to the ceiling. <laughs> Just trails through that little old house. Around newspapers. Like taking a slalom course in around newspapers. Stacked to the ceiling. Couldn't throw it away. Now Jesus is a Savior, but He's not a saver. What that means is is that He gives potential power and takes it away if we don't use it. One last thing. It's power that's authoritative and available. It's power that must be applied. He said, this thing comes not except by prayer and fasting. There is a time, hear me, there is a time when the gift and the endowment is not enough. There are some things that you can do in, out of the resources that you possess as a gifted human being. And with the charisma of your personality, there are some things you can accomplish. But there are some things that cannot be accomplished except by prayer and self-denial. I wish he'd have said, except by preaching. That's it. sometimes, not all the time. Today it's easier than usual, but... Preaching is usually the easiest thing I do, just to be honest with you. Somebody asked our secretary last week, she said, I'm, I'm totally shocked that, that, that there's anything goes on here during the week. He said, she said, I didn't think anybody was here during the week. <laughs> what does he do? Huh. Referring to me, or Ed. What, 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 does he, what, what does he do? Well, it, it is true that, that I, I do preach. On, that's the easiest thing I do is preach on Sunday, most of the time. I wish he'd have said, this comes not except by preaching. Let me tell you the hardest thing to do. That's to deny yourself and pray.
I don't have time for it. I don't have time for prayer. You come to me and say, let's, let's sit down and have a cup of coffee. I can spend an hour. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to pray, but is that really true? That's what we're saying. And it's except by fasting. Now that seems like that'd be a little late, wouldn't it? A guy comes to you with a sick child and he says, can you help me? And I said, well, wait, let me go two or three days without food. By then it's too late. You know what he's saying? Now watch this. He's saying that the child of God ought to be, ought to come to every event, every experience on a platform of preparation through prayer and self-denial. What he's saying is this, that your life ought to be so immersed in communion with God every day that you're ready for anything that comes. Anything. My life's so immersed in communion with God, I'm, I'm ready for anything that'll happen. That ought to be what it is. It's not. A few years ago, a lovesick German boy had a, had a girlfriend in Russia. And now you don't fly an airplane into Russia, especially a few years ago, but impenetrable airspace is the airspace around the Soviet Union. Nobody can get through it. This lovesick German boy rented a plane in Denmark, a single-engine plane, and decided he'd buzz Red Square and impress this girl. And he did. He not only buzzed Russia, Moscow, he landed in Red Square. Now that'll be a shock. He, he, he pulled up to the back door of the secretary of the parliament, Russian parliament, and got out and started signing autographs. <laughs> Pretty cocky. Love sick boy. <laughs> he, he got out laughing and smiling. and He was signing autographs. And when the shock kind of died away, head started rolling and put him in jail. You know the rest of the story. Impenetrable airspace. Can't get through it. Just goes to prove that unguarded strength and an unprepared heart is vulnerable to anything. And so Jesus said, if you want to be ready for anything that comes, you need to immerse your life in prayer. And then there's one word left. Hear it. Matthew adds one word to this statement. Jesus, Mark says, called them unbelieving generation. Matthew adds the word perverted. Unbelieving, perverted generation. You know what that word perverted means? It's a word that has to do with direction. And it means a heart in the wrong direction. And Jesus said, here's why you are helpless. Here's why you are impotent when you face crises in life. Your heart is not in the right place. You've been after a physical kingdom. You've been looking for a physical king. Your heart's not right. Your heart's not right. You get your heart right by denying self and down upon your knees in prayer so that when life throws into your face hopeless situations right out of hell itself, you're invincible. Is your heart right? 
It begins with a confession of your faith if you're lost. And it progresses with repentance from sin if you're not what you ought to be. Would you do that? Get your heart on the right direction. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that what you wish to do, you could do through us today and to us and for us in a spirit of submission and faith and yieldedness do your work in our heart. For I pray in the name of your dear Son for his sake. Now there are three invitations. One invitation this morning is this. Would you come to give your heart to Jesus? It's in the wrong direction. A heart that's not given to Jesus is a heart headed for the greatest pain, heartache, there is imaginable. Do like a little child this morning. He knows what to do. Give your heart to Jesus. That is your affection, your will, your dreams, your needs. Maybe you need to come this morning to rededicate yourself to Christ. Your heart's not right. Not right toward God or toward others. There's a God-directed anger. A human-directed anger. Maybe you need to come. There's a wonderful family came in the early service and joined our church. Precious family. You know what our question is? Can you help my children? Didn't ask me about whether I believed in inerrancy or baptism by immersion, all that stuff. Just ask me, can you help my family? Maybe you need to come today and place your life in the church. While we stand to sing, I invite you to come. Right away, you step out and come because you have available to you a power that gives new heart, a new life. That available power is not going to be there always. Come today. While we sing, you come.